Uncut but morally corrupt, it's Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. This week, we provide a nuanced examination of Forward Madison Football Club, sure to please everyone who listens. As always, I'm joined by the Leoville to my Barton, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting. Dan Fallon is looking at Russia from his front porch with Sarah Palin. Kyle, in a lifetime as a sports fan, one that has been defined by heartbreak and loss, where does Friday night rank in your all-time worst sports nights pantheon? It was up there. It, it was definitely up there. Um, I, I won't say it's the worst because there's been losses like in 2019, um, the playoff against Pepe. There was the Bucks collapsing. There was still the Packers when I had more emotional investment and the Brewers. But this one really sucked. And it had been a while since I had a night where I hated sports with a passion. And that was that was definitely up there. I, I can't think of anything worse because it started Ford Madison. And by the time it got to halftime and I checked the Bucks score, I was like, okay, let's look at it. And then the Bucks game, the second half of the Bucks game happened. I was like, cool. This is yeah, fun. <laughs> I was just thinking from a, you know, a combined perspective, like if, if you multiply them or even, you know, do it exponentially, like, I feel like, you know, very rarely, like, yeah, you had the playoff loss for the, for forward Madison. Yeah. There've been Packer playoff losses, but rarely do you get like just such a kind of garbage performance from forward Madison uh, and a absolute, you know, Bucks have the chance to clinch the series at home. And then you mix in on top of it, you know, some knucklehead goes out and tries to shoot a bunch of people after the game. I, I, I would just imagine that, you know, from a, a multiple. It was about six, seven hours of disappointment. Yeah. Pretty much from whenever, when did the game start? Six before, yeah, from six yeah. o'clock until about midnight 1230 and then even when i woke up and heard more people got shot because at first it was the immediate one and i was like hey that's his point and then you wake up the next morning and you find out there's more like well that was yeah it was yeah. good just just couldn't get worse so uh so speaking of so uh, a couple of things uh we have not done a, a podcast for a while to the point where uh you know i was in berlin visiting my significant other uh to the point where kyle apparently you're appearing now on uh, other podcasts, you're a pod pod bigamist. Uh, what's going on? When, when can folks? When did you record? When can folks listen? Are we getting here? Lukewarm, regurgitated leftover takes. Oh no! See, I'm recording the talking flock episode tomorrow, so that will probably go up Wednesday. So we actually get the first of me. Okay. Doing a deep dive. And then obviously with walking 90, that's pretty much almost every Thursday now at this point. Yeah. But. And every Thursday you will, and, and you guys talk more about all the other stuff around the league. You don't focus solely on forward Madison. And it's probably um, best that I keep it that way because all it's going to do is upset me more and more. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the nice thing, isn't it? You've got, you, you don't get to relive the, the loss once, but you know, probably three times. So, you know, really, by by the by the Thursday walk in ninety pod, you're probably just emotionally numb. So I honestly said inside. between the two Ford Madison pods, a walk in ninety, and I still have to do the Bucks pod. I'm definitely just going to be not having a good time. Just yelling at the sky. Uh, we, we are joined by our, our third man in the booth here. 
Yep. Sterling has decided he is going to join because of course, why not? But you do need to, you know, be peaceful and not try and cause too much chaos. Hi, Sterling. How are you? Can you say hi? Can you wave? No. Okay. Okay. That's good. He, he is so emotionally wounded by the, the forward Madison loss on Friday night. He just doesn't even have an opinion. He, he um, went to bed right after, right, right after the second goal. He yeah. went straight to bed. Yeah. That, that was how disappointed he was. He just couldn't even face the remaining. So let's talk about it. Going into, into the match, 2-0 loss to Greenville, who you can point historically we have never beaten. They're kind of a bogey team, um, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, the first two seasons with Coach Shore. Those matches shaped up to be what we might euphemistically call tactical battles. Uh, they were pretty boring matches overall. You know, part of that is John Harkes' team plays a pretty compact style. They actually had what for them this year has been a goal-scoring explosion because until uh, last night or until Friday night, pardon, they were one of the lowest-scoring teams in the league. Um, so two two goals, they win 2 nothing. They they move ahead of forward in the standings. But going into Friday night, I think expectation should have been relatively tempered by the fact that we didn't even have a, a full bench uh, going into that. In fact, I looked at the the roster and I was like, do we even have a backup goalkeeper? Are we that depleted? Um, so there is one. <laughs> so th- that's, I think, you know, I, and from my perspective, um, you know, the, what the injuries, 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 you don't like to think of them as an excuse. Um, I like to think of it a little bit as let's just, take everything we're saying here with a little bit of grain of salt as we get worked up and, you know, rip out our hair. And because some of these things are in some sense, you know, beyond, beyond the, the, the control of the, of the staff. So, you know, uh, Wheeler Omini, who was out, uh, he's been our highest ranked uh, player on foot mob, for instance. So that, that hurts. And that's, Defensive center mid, right? Um, Nazim Bartman, who's gotten goals. Uh, Mbake Jam, who's gotten goals, is up top. Derek Gebhardt finally got back, but it was for limited minutes. I'm probably leaving out some injuries, too, uh, here as we kind of, you know, look at it from, from you know, uh, Friday night. But there were just a lot of injuries, and we showed up with five guys on the bench instead of, you know, I think it's 20 is the, the the maximum number on the bench. Yeah, there was a lot of in, injuries. Obviously, we talked about AWO, like he was hurt. That didn't help. Um, the Zine Bartman, he had some kind of illness or something. It wasn't COVID, but he had an illness. He couldn't travel. Um, and then Abdul Jam, he had his injury that he suffered against Fuego. Uh, Gebhard came back, which was good. That was exciting. And then I guess uh, Audie Jepsen had an injury along with uh, Meli Tamguya. So that was pretty much, you're thinking about it, Audie Jepsen had started every match. Nazim was, at if he was in starting, he was definitely playing. I mean, Wheeler Omenu, he was, again, probably four maps best player. Gebhardt, thankfully, was back, but that was another player. Like, they're all starters, and even Meli, like, he probably could work his way into a starting lineup. So... The fact that you're missing so many essential guys does not help. But I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of like we don't want to use that as an excuse. It definitely hurts. But at the same time, 
against this Greenville squad, I think the reason why people are feeling more excited is like Greenville's offense was worse than Ford Madison's yeah. going into this match. Like this was a Greenville team that only com- had a 7% conversion, which is lower than Ford Madison. This is a Greenville team that scored less goals. So you're thinking, okay, well maybe you can, you just got this big win against Richmond. Like you can maybe at the very least get a draw out of it or pick up a win. Uh, it didn't happen. So yeah, the injuries hurt not having a full bench, which maybe calls more to do they need to bring in a couple extra players? Because I mean, you had no striker option. You, I don't think they had well, Cyrus Rad. Yeah, Streng was your striker. He was the only striker. Yeah. He started. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. There, I mean, there's not much in terms of fullbacks. I mean, there was one fullback, one center back on the bench, and the midfielder. I mean, oh yeah, Christian, you know, part uh, yeah. of it is is the realities of Division Three soccer and budgets and so on that you you know, it's not it's not like uh, you know Man City going out and signing another center back or you know even a, a Division One team you know bringing up a guy from the youth squad. Part of the realities are the the budgets are tighter. You know, you've got twenty guys. It's a little harder. You know, you can do some creative stuff as we did last year with the with the loan for and and now i'm blanking uh from from revs two that we bought brought in sirikowski um, sirikowski yeah you can do some creative things like that but short term you know two of these three guys you know two of the guys it, it sounds like almost like you know 24 48 hours before the game you know that you find out they can't they can't suit up so short term yeah you just kind of get stuck and you don't have the options that you do, you know, even pulling up under 23s or under 20s, right. That you do in, in other levels of football. So I, I, yeah, a grain of salt, you don't want to use it as an excuse, but it, it also just, you know, the more, the fewer times that guys start and play together, the less coherence, the less fluency, the less that you get going forward. And what you end up with is, you know, as I am fond of calling it turgidity, but you actually did for new dogmazine, what we might call a more deeper dive into why, you know, what's happening, what's Madison's problem. And, you know, in short, it's, we're not creating enough chances, right. But what's leading to us not creating chances. And you certainly saw it. I think I'm not getting out ahead of, of your analysis here by saying you certainly saw why that was, on Friday night. Yeah. And that's why I was going to say like, yes, there are injuries, but that has not answered the question of why, because even a team like Fuego who probably statistically and stylistically is in the same boat as Ford Madison, they keep somehow finding ways to get goals. And we said it last year, you know, if you can't create chances and you need to take advantage of your set pieces Ford Madison had one corner. So even so, and a lot of it, and part of it is, and this is why I say yeet the three in the back into the sun. (laughs) You're relying on your center backs to be the creative outlets. And that's not, and all that's going to do is invite more and more pressure up. And when you're not, when you don't have the ball, the three in the back is fine. Cause then you're in theory, you're supposed to be able to press and create chances, which they have, which they did early in the season. It seemed like against Omaha and against Tucson, like that press was being effective, even in the second half of Chattanooga. And now it's kind of a, 
teams are kind of like, well, we'll just let them have the ball. There's no point. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to pass it sideways and go from Osmond over to Leonard, over to Mario, to whoever's playing the right wing back. And then it'll eventually make its way back over to most likely Mikey Maldonado. And it's like, maybe you get a center mid involved and maybe you try a long pass for, but otherwise it's like, we don't need to do anything. So it's not even turgid at this point. I, I feel like turgid would make it, I don't even know what word to use because I feel like turgid is not the word to use anymore. Uh, well, it's, you know, we've been, I've been using turgid now going on four years. So this is definitely the third. Yeah. This is definitely the third season. Cause I know it, it started 2020, I believe. Uh, well, yeah. I, and maybe I, you and really Dan had said turgid yeah. in year yeah, one. We really but. got into turgid, you know, and there was just something about Hart park with all of its lines that lent itself to a, just a general feeling of turgidity. I'm going to have to go to the, the, the thesaurus and come up with a new word for turgidity. Uh, you know, because, yeah, turgidity just doesn't seem to have the feel anymore. Um, turgidity times time equals something. But as you, you've pointed out and you pointed out in your article, just statistically forward or not playing the passes forward. Um, and it's also, I just think it's a little lack of precision in, you know, in the review from new dogma zine of the match, uh, uh, this week, uh, he pointed out a ball where Suko had it and we kind of had things moving forward and he played kind of a lateral ball. Actually, if you look at the, the, the picture of the pitch, it wasn't a terrible ball to play it laterally because that guy had tons of space out on the wing but it was the nature of the ball that was played, right? It was a ball that was instead of a ball leading that guy into space, it was played almost maybe not behind him, but like perfectly square. Right. And that slowed up the play. And I don't know if that's a tactical correction that, Hey, we need to, or if it's a, a technical precision guys just aren't playing the ball right enough. And, you know, before we get into kind of our third point, which I think, kind of takes these a little bit out. I do want to, you know, temper some of our disappointment with goals. We are tied for do last in the league in terms of, of scoring with, with two other teams. That said, the league average for goals is about 1.1875 per game. Right. And so in six goal games, Madison scored five goals, say Madison, you know, in their next game scores two goals all of a sudden we're at or above league average, right? So it's not, I don't think we should be putting the, pushing the panic button. And I want to stress that just overall early in the season, I think, you know, one of the things, again, going back to the realities of D3, there's just so much roster turnover. Getting fluidity in a team early in the season can be tough, especially it just seemed for whatever reason, forward had a more disjointed off season this year um, that it just didn't, seem to congeal in quite the same way. We didn't have guys in camp as early as it felt like that we normally did. Yeah. There are a lot of guys that were not there. Like even someone like belly, I, he was late. Like, I think it was after like the first match. Yeah. And he finally was able to get it. And like Mbaka Jam, he had some delays because of, yeah, obviously with like visas and COVID and everything, there's definitely been limitations and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I think for me, it's just more, not scoring goals is one thing. That's totally fine. Not taking chances is, I think, the bigger issue. And I, and last or year, even last year, it was chances. different. 
Right. Last year, it was, it was they created all these chances. They had all these chances. They just couldn't finish at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So then it was kind of like, okay, we you may not be getting the goals, but we can at least see what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's where more people are concerned. It's like we're not even creating the chances. We're not taking chances. And that, I think, is the bigger, I think, gripe that people have. And part of that can be the cohesion fluid. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and so, you know, there are just not a lot of goals to go around early in the season, but it does bring up. And I, I think, you know, when, um, you know, you look at some of the quotes from Matt Glazer about how he defined the team and so on, I think it raises question three, which is where I, I feel a little troubled. And, you know, um, it, it, it's now like three weeks ago that there was the, the Minnesota United match at Bree Stevens. And it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was like a month ago now. Um, and at that point, you felt like the team was going somewhere. Like there was the, the, there was a plan in place and you could see where the area of areas of improvement were coming. Now, I don't know if all of these injuries have set this back, but what's worrying is the team seems to be identity less, right? That was, that's kind of our third point is what's this team's identity. And, you know, there was talk about grittiness, but still going forward and attacking and, you know, pressing. And that was, you know, watching that match on, on Friday. And, you know, this is a case where even going back a couple of matches, I was less enthralled with the, the quality of the pressing from forward Madison than maybe some other people were. Uh, maybe even you were because I didn't see it yet working at a two or three man level. And that's where my kind of frustration is right now. You could see early in the season, guys starting to play in ones and twos, right? Kind of working together. You know, you weren't getting the full 11, but it feels like we've almost taken a step back and guys now are working at an individual level almost solely instead of in you know, going from working as working in groups of two to working in groups of three on things like the press or moving forward, you know, uh, adding a, a, you know, a third man run into an attack, you know, a guy drops off and, you know, the, you play off the, the center forward, he drops it off back to the guy who plays it to him. And a third guy goes into the space created behind the center forward, like those sorts of things for chances. And so, you know, identity, progress, it seems like we're losing those things or lost them last week. Now, again, injuries, travel, you know, all of the things that are in your way, but that's what I think had people maybe a little bit more on edge about that game than maybe they might have been otherwise. Yeah, and it's interesting. Well, and I feel like while the attack definitely is, I think, the more alarming rate, Defensively, they were bad. And that was an uncharacteristic bad that they displayed in Greenville. Normally, it's one thing where, because most of these goals that they've conceded, you know, you had one that was a deflected, possibly wonder goal, top corner, okay, whatever. Omaha had two quality goals. Okay, you take that out. Tucson, you're down to 10 men. It's off the set, basically off the set piece. Okay, whatever. Fuego, whatever like most of those you can at least just chalk up to that was just a weird you know you can identify like maybe if it broke a different way it's fine and, and then friday you got a complete opposite where it's just like greenville is just dribbling all over them and i think with the identity for me it's more 
it's one thing if you're going to say, I'd rather lose 5-4 than win 1-0, but you're not doing either. You got one 1-0 <laughs> win against Richmond and a game that, and, and that Richmond game was kind of like a encapsulation of, you didn't play that well, but you found a way to get the goal and you found a way to get the win. And that's, if that's what you do, you take the points, you get the hell out, especially on a road match in Richmond. Yeah, take the points, get the hell out. Even with uh, Chattanooga, you do what you can. You take the points, get the hell out. You take the point, get the hell out. Omaha, you, it was going both ways, but it was kind of one of those where it just feels like, yeah, there isn't much of, are you going to be this defensive team? Are you going to be this attacking team? What team are you going to be? The press, as you mentioned, it was very clear in those first couple matches, like the press was working. You had two, three guys. That's how it created the Tucson goal. And you don't really see that as much. It's like part of that is, again, injuries and cohesion, sure. But, you know, it seems like every other team in this league has that identity. Charlotte is going to be all attack, defending optional kind of type of team. Greenville is always going to be, we're going to try and get the goal and camp out and maybe we'll hit you on the counter. Richmond is, we're going to be very direct. Tucson is, we're going to be very direct. Omaha is going to be the, we're going to press you out of the place. Chattanooga is going to be the shithousery. Like all these other clubs have, Tormenta has suddenly become a defensive fortitude. Like all these teams seem to have figured out, like this is how we're going to try and win our games. And Formas is still trying to do that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, especially, you know, and I think we saw it a little bit last year, you know, we were, we came out of the box and we were a passing team and we were very, you know, fluid and moving forward. And then that kind of change, you know, change and we didn't add anything to it. And so the first couple of matches, it's like, okay, I see where we're going, but I, you know, you, you wonder as well. And it's something I've been thinking about with, with, you know, first time coach is the worry that, instead of trying to put in one thing early on and then build around that and expand and improve from that, you know, one thing, here's what we're going to do. We're going to prep, you know, I think back to, and maybe I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when, you know, Jurgen Klopp first came in at Liverpool and I apologize that I'm, you know, going back to Liverpool. Well, but, you know, Conte talks about it at Spurs and he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to run them off the pitch tonight. You know, we're playing Spurs. We're going to run them off the pitch. You know, if you look at Jose Mourinho, it's like, I'm going to put in, you know, our two banks of four, you know, Benitez is, we're not going to be outnumbered anywhere on the pitch. And we're going to make sure we do these things together. And that's our identity to start out with. Right. And you wonder if, and, and these are experienced coaches and this is what they come in and that's where they start. They don't end there, but that's where they start. And you wonder if, Glazer first time coach is a little bit like, you know, the, the Dutch boy, you know, trying to put his fingers in the, the holes in the dam instead of, okay, I'm not going to worry about those holes over there to start off with. We're going to re re mortar this wall right here. And then we'll go over there and do that. Right. Instead of constantly. So, you know, from a first time coaching perspective, you wonder if, you know, he wasn't clear enough going in what, that identity was going to be, or he, you know, Oh, this week we weren't good at that rather than, yeah, we were bad at that sucks, but this is the thing we want to be good at first. And once we get there, everything else will fall into place. I also worry, as you've pointed out, you know, with that, we don't play direct, right? We play very lateral. Well, the whole point of the the press, right. Is when you win the ball back, the other team is out of position 
And the goal is that you're winning that speed of transition. You're transitioning faster than them because you've practiced that, right? You win it back and you know, okay, as soon as I win it back, that guy's going to be going there and I can, you know, be direct, right? And take advantage of the fact that their center back who should be right here, you know, at, at the corner of the, the top of the box at the D there is because they're, they were doing the buildup is way outside on the edge of the 18, you know, and we can shoot somebody in there. So, you know, those two things right now are at kind of cross purposes is my other kind of worry right now, right? Is like, Hey, we're, we, we want to press, but we're not doing the offensive thing to take advantage of the press as a playmaker. Right. I mean, and then that's the other thing that I'm really worried about. I, I like AWO. He's not a playmaker in the mold of Malloy um, last year, right? He's not a guy that's going to dish up. And so that's the other thing is like, who do we have that's creating the chances? You know, I think I really like Suko and Jepson, but those are workmen like midfielders, right? Those are the guys you put around a guy like Malloy to give him the support so that if he gets, you know, caught up trying to do something attacking, they're there to fill in the spaces behind. And I don't know who we have that's creative type. Uh, maybe I'm missing somebody here, but that's the other place where I'm a little worried. And I think, and this is my, and my thought is this is where I think Cassini could be that guy. But again, how much of that fluidness is because like is limiting that. And I think also with someone like Gebhard, who he is very direct, he's going to take the ball and he's going to take it right at you. And we saw when he came on in Greenville, the immediate, like he got the ball, he went in, he attacked, he set up a chance for someone. Like that is something that they've also been missing. There hasn't been anyone that's kind of been that. All right, I'm just going to take it and go. And I thought, and I, you know, that's something that I always thought Suko was kind of like what you're saying with the work and Audi Jepson, like the workman, like I would say Jepson's more the workman, like, but Suko yeah. is kind of more the get the ball and go right at them. That's how that goal against Richmond happens is, you know, I think it was Roger Smith or someone, I think it was Roger Smith gets that cross ball to Suko and Suko just goes right at it. And I think that's, and that's something that Bartman does really well. Like Bartman goes and makes the, like, he's someone that he's going to go right at it. I think that's part of maybe this team and like, there has to be some directness and yeah, maybe you don't have a air Malloy like person that can kind of put a pass anywhere and it's fine. And I'm trying to think of like past players that kind of, cause like, I think in year one, like it wasn't really like Josie L Nunez or JC banks. Like they were never like the guys that could put the pass in but they were the guys that get the ball, dribble it at you. I think Mike Fang was another example. Get the ball. You can, you know, bring it to them. And then I think that's where AWO can be handy as he does win those balls and he can drive it at yep. them. I think that's something that Drew Connor is going, like he's starting to show that. Like he's going to go win the ball, run at someone. Mike Maldonado does a good job. I think they're just lacking that. Even if you're not going to pass it forward and you're just going to go lateral, that's fine. But you need to pass it lateral and take and go, even if you inch your way up. And I think that's the issue is there's not, it's not much of an inching of up. It's kind of just move ball, move ball, move ball, which is fine, but someone needs to move it at, d- towards the goal. Well, and I think especially if we're going to be pressing, you need those guys to be authorized to pick up the ball and go and, you know, take advantage of that mistake and do it as quickly as possible. Right. You know, and that's why for, you know, the Barcelona system where this kind of high press really, you know, if we look back to Pep's, start of his career, 2009, 10, 11 there, 
where this was so important is what teams will do is if you're possessing the ball like that, they just drop deeper and deeper, right? And they sit deeper and deeper. And so one of the things then is you pass around and try to move them out of position. But then also if they lose, if you lose the ball, they're naturally going to get out of position winning that ball. And if you can win it and exploit those spaces quickly. So, you know, and, and we talk about all of these things, but like I said, you know, now with the press, it just seems like it's one guy. And I also worry that Cassini a little bit is incompatible. Cassini seems like a guy who lets the game come to him is the, the nice way I'm trying to think of putting it right is, you know, he's not a guy that's on the front foot in, in the way that, you know, AWO is Gebhardt is, you know, even as you said, Suko is, he's a guy that is kind of more waiting and picking his spots and kind of, and so if we're going to press, he might not be the best fit in that midfield, quite frankly, you know, cause he's a guy that, you know, kind of wants to have some time, see what develops and all of that. At least that's been my impression so far. Now I could be reading him wrong and maybe he's more dynamic than that, but you know, it just doesn't see like, he doesn't seem like a guy who goes sprinting around in the way that you think of, you know, a team that plays high pressure German Bundesliga style. Yeah. No. And I think that's also kind of the interesting part is it feels as though they're pressing, they press mainly out in the wide areas, which is fine. Like, it seems like most of that's where most of the press happens. There's not much press when it's in the middle of the park. It's kind of more of a keep it. If they want the, they want the other team to take it out wide because you have three center backs that are over there. So it's not like you can try and run. I think it's just more the force it out wide. We have these three center backs and we have all, and all of them are, going to somehow win these aerial duels. You see Eric Leonard going and getting these clearances and winning these aerial duels. Mitch Osmond is like that. He's like, they're still good enough defenders where they're going to be in a position where they can at least get it cleared other than Greenville. But I think they want it to go out wide. And the problem is if it's going through the middle, now you're only down to whether it's AWO, Drew Connor, because whoever the two midfielders are. Yep. And it's kind of tough for that press to really be effective. Press is kind of focused on wide. And our problem is playing four in the midfield. We really only have two in the center of the park and we're naturally outnumbered there. And I do, you know, I do think it's, um, you can understand, I understand the three, four, three in some sense, but again, if you're playing, you know, three, four, three in a world of, four, three, threes, you're giving up this. So you have to really make sure you impose it. And on a night like Friday where you didn't impose that, you know, get the ball wide and we're going to win the wide areas. It gets ugly looking. Um, like and I, it that's why I don't think the three in the back should be a fit. I think go with the four, three, three, go with the four, two, three, one. Yeah. Well, and there's no yeah. reason for uh, the thing with the three, four, three is, you need, and granted, the three center backs, the majority of the matches are doing what they need to do. They're winning the ball. They're not letting, other than Chattanooga, they don't let guys get in behind you. That was a little bit more of an issue last year was guys were able to get those runs. That's not happening this year. Ford Madison's not allowing that many clear-cut chances, which is fine. But when you win the ball, you're down an attack. You're down a midfield. You're down an attacker. And I think if you want to be 3 4 three, off the ball, 
okay, that's fine. Like, I don't love it, but I can at least understand it. But once they're on the ball, that should shift into a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, even a 4-1-4-1. Where all of a sudden, like, maybe someone like Eric Leonard steps up more as a six, and that pushes everyone else up forward. Yeah, no, that's one thing I actually, you know, looking going into the season, I thought maybe they'd slide Leonard more up into that six, you know, because where he's uh, uncomfortable in the six is receiving it from the defenders and having to play on the half turn, you know, to make that transition. So if he's just stepping up from deep and moving in front of the defense and kind of receiving balls back from the front line. The other thing is, again, you know, the three, four, three, is conducive with to kind of a counterattacking style, right? You're going to break fast and playing directly. All the evidence from how we've seen them playing is very indirectly, right? So it's another case where just things aren't goals and strategies aren't lining up or, you know, our aims and the techniques we're using to get there aren't corresponding, right? And it leads to a sense of incoherence in certain ways. And so, you know, you wonder if they go, if other teams go, well, they're playing this three, four, three, they want to counterattack on us, but we'll let them have the ball then. And they don't do anything with it. And, you know, and that's pretty much what had happened, especially in the Fuego match was okay, here, have the ball. Yep. And they had no shots to target. And I know Andrew highlighted, they're not getting the box. So it's kind of one of those Richmond was an odd one. Cause I feel like Richmond was hopeful that yeah, have the ball. And then four bats like, no, you can go ahead and have it. Yeah. And it, it threw Richmond off. It was I a real, off. it was a real Midwestern standoff. No, you go first. No, yeah. you go first. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was no, kind of interesting in that yeah. aspect, but I, and I think again, that's where someone like Gebhard, it was solely missed was he is that kind of guy that can take it and go. And maybe, and same with Jepson. Like, I feel like those guys, like, yeah, the personnel, might not fit a three, four, three out of the, what they have healthy. Well, and again, and, and if you're just not getting the ball into the box, you know, are you, you start to wonder, you know, are we being too conservative in possession that we don't want guys turning over, you know, from a, from a, you know, coaching staff down perspective. Okay. You know, don't turn it over. Yeah. So that's leading to guys not taking chances. Is it something's missing in terms of guys are not moving into new positions where they should be as we're building up? Or is it just, you know, three, three, four, three against the back fours that we're setting up is just too easy for teams to defend because they can put two banks of four on us and, and shut us down pretty easily. I, you know, especially if we're keeping three guys back full time, and not having anybody work into the half space, right? Because if you look at what we've got in our forwards, they're going all the way, you know, our center forward, especially is going up to the center backs. Doesn't, isn't really making them make a choice as to where they go. Our outside wings are going all the way up to their outside backs. And then our midfield ends up kind of a flat four across there, maybe with AWO a little deeper, but there's not, there's not any, playing between the lines in terms of positioning. Right. And so that, you know, leads to that turgidity. I have to find a new word. Um, yeah. And, defensively and so, they're doing in, they're doing enough defense other than Greenville. They've done everything you could ask defensively. They're not allowing chances. Yeah. 
And if they're not allowing clear cut chances, they're not allowed. There's not like they're face. It's not like Brino's facing, you know, 10, 15 shots a game. So at least defensively, you know that they're doing what they need to. And all you need to do is get a goal, get a yeah. goal. And then, then maybe that's where this three, four, three can come in more handy is when teams have to chase a goal, then you hit them on that counter. Yeah. And maybe that's the goal, but the problem is they're not getting the early enough goal or they're not getting the goals to, you know, force teams to do that. Yeah. And, and so I guess, you know, my, my question is a little bit, you know, we're not getting into the box. That seems like a symptom of something else. Right. I mean, like no coach is like, well, guys, we're just not going to attack this week. You know, we're not going to, maybe Jose Mourinho says that. I don't know, but you know, I, I would say Simeone, Simeone, Simeone. Yeah. We're going to say, yeah, we're going to play. We're going to kick you for the next 90 minutes and we're not going to go forward. Um, and we're going to, you know, win zero, zero. Um, but I just, you know, I don't think that's what Glazer. So it seems like not getting forward is a symptom and it's either a symptom of the formation as, you know, yeeting the three, four, three into the sun. It may be a symptom of a little bit, the personnel that we had injuries. Um, you know, it, it could be any of these kinds of, of things. So that maybe more than anything is all of a sudden it felt like we were answering questions and now we've got more questions again. Right. We, it is a constant revolving door. And I think that's the thing with, or it's early enough in the season that no, no panic button needs to be hit, but no, there are six it, matches, right? And we're not played out six of matches. It. Yeah. It's fine. Like I've had injuries. All that is completely understandable. Yeah. Like we get it. We get the slow start. It's not ideal, but you know, I think, I think it's just more of a, you're running out of time to kind of figure it out. Or, or figure out what the identity is. You're running out of time to figure that out. And now it's getting to, you're not going to have open cup matches. You're not going to have friendlies. You're not in pre, like you should be as, you know, you're not trying to get ready for the season. Yeah. We are now in the season. So now I think it's kind of more of a, your first games against Charlotte, they are defensively not great. They are offensively really good, but they're defensively not great. You're playing Fuego, a team that, are honestly you can't beat like your your schedule at least leans more into okay now you can start picking up some points and wins yeah well and and yeah and i think as well as as you pointed out fuego plays right into if we're playing a three four three counterattacking, you know win it back and get direct style plays right into that so maybe that's where we'll 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 see it you know yeah um, i was gonna say yeah the next three matches are charlotte who defensively aren't good Oh, yeah, sorry, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte, who's they're going to attack. This is your chance to counter. Fuego, who you, I, I, stylistically, I think you, you can get, get a win against them. It's going to be on the road, which is going to be tougher. And then you got Tucson at home. And Tucson so far has looked to be the worst team in the league. Maybe besides, yeah, Tucson has definitely been a, they're looking rough. Kind of, yeah. So these, this is your chance to kind of pick up some points, pick up some wins. You know, if you can get a win or two out of these next three, you're, and it's fine because of how close the table is as well. Yeah. And you get a little momentum going and then all of a sudden every, we sound like whiny idiots. If you re-listen to the podcast after, you know, we get seven points out of nine in the next three matches or something like that, you know. We and we, that's fine. I'd rather sound whiny, and yeah. then the team you know I am. Out. This is a case where, on the upside, I'm happy to be shown to be wrong. 
So go do that forward, Madison. Yeah, uh, I will gladly be okay with being wrong. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely will you hear Kyle or I confess to gladly being wrong. So uh, listen to Kyle uh, as the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting on all eight of his appearances on various <laughs> soccer podcasts this week. I enjoy nobody invites me anywhere. I'm really pleased, you know, that you get all the invites, I guess, because people know people don't know where I am or they just think I'm going to be whiny and cranky, which I will be. Um, so that's know, fine. <laughs> yeah. So one, well, you know, one podcast a week, I think is more than enough for everybody to listen to me. I mean, how much, how much do people want to listen to me? I, I, I was kind of thinking this week, I was like, Ooh, they're going to hear me twice. Like any Ford Madison fans will not be I mean, able to get away from me. I mean, you are, you are getting into like on ESPN where it like felt like Mike and Mike were on every single ESPN program that they did. It's getting dangerous. It's getting dangerous. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're getting close from going hardest working man in, in Madison sports podcasting to be like overexposed, you know, and, and then you're going to have to, you know, go into the bunker retreat, you know, regroup. Uh, I was going to say, there are two kids that will make sure I don't get overexposed and they will (laughs) make it very clear. Well, and and fortunately, I, I should confess as well, in the background, you couldn't see it. Uh, maybe you could in your own camera, but uh, there was a dangerous moment early in the podcast where it looks like there's a giant behind Kyle on the on the screen, a giant box of Legos. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's Mega Blocks. Yeah, no. Mega Blocks. And Sterling looked like it's like sitting on another box of, of toys. And Sterling looked like he was going to tip the whole Mega Blocks. There were going to be mega blocks everywhere. And I was, I didn't know if I should warn you and stop the podcast or selfishly. I'm like, I'd kind of like to see what, how this plays out, but fortunately likely he would have opened it, taken some of the blocks and thrown it at me. Okay. But Sterling did not tip over the whole thing and they're not, you know, 47 mega blocks all over, um, which is kind of disappointing because Legos mega blocks, no matter how much time you spend cleaning them up, you have forgotten one, which you will step on when you're barefooted next in that room. Oh yeah. And it's my work office as well. So it would have, I would have stepped on one and I would have sworn a lot and maybe I would have been on a work call at that point. Exactly. Um, So uh, until next time we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling.